Hey, I'm Troy Thomas, and welcome to the Liberty and Slavery podcast, where we take a look back at some of the interviews that we recorded when we were making our Emmy Award-winning documentary, Liberty and Slavery, The Paradox of America's Founding Fathers. We traveled the country to interview scholars, authors, theologians, and historians, all to discuss America's founding era and its long-lasting influence on each of us today. In fact, understanding America's history may be more important today than at any time in American history. On today's episode, we feature historian Lonnie Bunch. Lonnie is currently the 14th Secretary of the Smithsonian Institution overseeing 21 museums, 21 libraries, and the National Zoo. He was the founding director of the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture from 2005 to 2019. This interview was conducted in May 2014 in Washington, D.C. Lonnie, thank you so much for being with us today. And I just wanted to start off by having you tell us about the new museum and really just how you're sort of incorporating slavery as part of the African-American experience in America. In many ways, the question of how a museum, how the new museum interprets slavery is really at the heart of what the museum is. Um, for many years, we did a lot of surveys trying to understand what the public knew, what they wanted. And the area that was most difficult uh, was slavery. That on the one hand, there were many people who said, this museum has to tell the unvarnished truth. It has to tell slavery almost like a holocaust. Then, our, then there was an equal number of people who said, well, the reality is that you don't want to talk about slavery too much. That's such a negative issue. That is a way that you don't engage new audiences, new visitors. So what we've really said is the reality is that we have to tell slavery in two different ways. One way is to make sure that we humanize slavery so that it's not the story of nameless anonymous people, but it's stories of families and individuals and their struggle to both survive and thrive. But then the other piece is it's crucially important to help people understand that slavery is not a black story, it's not a Southern story, that in some ways it's the quintessential American story. So those two issues are what we do. Slavery as a human story, slavery as the quintessential American story. Uh, gr great answer. How important do you think it is for people to understand the African-American experience? I mean, why is it important that they understand that? Well, in many ways, understanding the African-American experience is important because in many ways, without understanding that, we as Americans don't know who we are. We've had large parts of our identity left out. But if we begin to understand how the African-American experience shapes us all in profound ways, how our notions of liberty, of equality, of citizenship are shaped by the African-American experience, we suddenly realize that it's not the African-American experience that goes wanting, it's the quintessential American experience. I, I knew you'd be a good interview. It's kind of you to say. Um, I read in a Washington Post article that your youngest daughter had said that as long as there is an America, there's a chance for the world to understand the African-American experience. What does that mean? The issue of understanding what the African-American experience really means is that in many ways, the African-American experience has been downplayed or it's been seen as ancillary. It's not been seen as central to who we are. And what struck us about crafting this museum is that we have an opportunity to say for 
millions of people who will walk in the door and tens of millions who will come online and all of those that are sort of just looking at it from overseas, we have a chance to say, this is the story that you have to understand. This is your story. And one of the joys of being at the Smithsonian is it's one of the greatest educational opportunities in the world because here you have people who will come wrestle with issues, different stories, different ideas, and they won't do that anywhere else. So for us, this is a great opportunity that as long as this museum exists, the world can begin to understand who it is better by understanding the African-American experience. Now, we're here in Washington, D.C. Obviously, we're surrounded by all of these monuments to the Founding Fathers. I mean, we literally can look out the window here and see the Washington Monument itself. So I guess my question is, how, as an African-American and as a historian, how do you view the Founding Fathers? Really trying to understand how we view the Founding Fathers is really such an interesting issue. Because on the one hand, one of the challenges of a historian is to help the public embrace ambiguity, to understand the nuance. Often we look at the Founding Fathers in one of two ways. The traditional way was that these were an amazing group of men um, shaped by the Enlightenment who basically took an opportunity and defined a republic in a way that has transformed the world and that we need to sort of celebrate their ingenuity, their commitment to the words of equality and citizenship. But on the other hand, you have people who recognize that were the founding fathers simply hypocrites? Were they people who recognize that freedom and equality for some was, was good enough? And that how can people who spoke words like all men are created equal still hold hundreds of thousands of people in bondage. So for me, what I really think about the Founding Fathers is that these are people who are amazingly gifted and who took a, who took a revolution and made it something that led to a country that was, by its stated ideals, the model for the world. But the reality is that these Founding Fathers were men of their time. They were men who believed in the inherent inferiority of African-Americans. They were men who could not imagine um, a sense of equality among the races. They were men who could never have imagined an African-American sitting in the White House. So for me, it really isn't to say they were horribly racist or that they were horribly gifted, but to recognize they were both. And that's the paradox. You know, here's an interesting question that comes up. The founders... I mean, Jefferson obviously wrote that all men are created equal. But do you think that obviously on the surface, that's completely hypocritical. But do you think that they were baking into the cake the future by which slaves would be free? In other words, do you think that he was writing that to say, "Okay, I'm not going to free them right now, but I'm setting up the mechanism by which they will be free in a generation or two? There are many historians who believe that one of the best ways to look at the Founding Fathers is to recognize they laid a foundation that future generations then grabbed and seized upon. Um, I think they, li they laid this foundation that the stated ideals that they laid out are the ideals that for the last 200 years America has been trying to live up to. So I agree that they laid a foundation. 
But I don't believe that they actually thought that, okay, somebody else will wrestle with this question of slavery because we know it's wrong. I don't believe that. I think they were fixated on how do we create a new nation? How do we handle a situation where there are thousands of people that are enslaved that we don't know what to do with if they are free? So that I don't give the founding fathers that much credit to say that they were so creative that they recognized here was an issue they couldn't fix, but somebody else down the road would. That's interesting. We've gotten a lot of different answers on that question, so I'm glad to have yours as well. Let's talk a little bit about the U.S. Constitution itself and just maybe appealing to you again as a historian, the sort of quagmire that had been created in that the United States was not going to come together without some sort of compromise. The southern states were going to walk away and not ratify the Constitution unless slavery was protected. So what do you do with that? What do you make of that? Um, maybe just talk a little bit about that. The question around the Constitution is really the question of what are the issues that stood in the way of America coming together as a nation? And I would argue the most important issue was the issue of slavery. And that what you realize by looking at the Constitution, first of all, is that even in the 18th century, slavery was one of the most dominant engines of American opportunity, American prosperity. So therefore, it was something that one did not dismiss lightly. And that the other side of this is that the Constitution really had to be a living mechanism that would allow the states to find that common ground. And what I think is so fascinating about the Constitution is really where slavery shows up and how people find a way around it. I think the Three-Fifths Amendment, the notion of saying, how do you treat the enslaved population? Are they considered people when it comes to representation? Are they considered property when it comes to taxation? Ultimately, the South wanted um, the enslaved population to count in helping them have greater numbers of representatives in the House of Representatives. Northerners wanted to say that they were property. And as property, they needed to be taxed fully. So what you have is this really very creative amendment, this three-fifths amendment that says the enslaved count as three-fifths of a person when it comes to representation and as well when it comes to taxation. So in some ways, while that compromise allowed the constitutional debates to move forward, in some ways it marked forever America's notion of inferiority of African-Americans by saying that they could only be three-fifths of a person really was something that scarred America and scarred the African-American psyche until very, very recently. I think the other challenges within the Constitution were things where people said, well, if this notion of liberty, of freedom is important, that for some, especially in the North, as slavery began to lose its impact, not to be as central as it was in the South, you began to see a kind of creeping process of emancipation, of people saying maybe slavery is wrong. A lot of that is tied to the slave trade itself. Um, and I think that what you begin to see, though, is attempts to give the South some 
comfort that no matter what happens, that slavery would be protected. And that's why you also see in the constitutional debates that there is a clause about a fugitive slave laws to basically say that let us make sure that those that are captured or who run away from slavery will ultimately be come back to the South. So in some ways, what you see in the Constitution are thorny compromises that basically allow people to move forward. They don't solve the problem but they solve the immediate need to begin to find middle ground. That's a great answer. Thank you. Um, One question that has come up that we've heard time and time again in this whole process is that the founders didn't really come up with slavery. A lot of them were born into it, like George Washington. And, you know, remember that Thomas Jefferson actually wanted to indict King George in the Declaration of Independence. Um, So he, he was claiming that this was thrust upon them, the Americans. And, you know, I don't really think that Jefferson really believed that, but he was claiming that at least. So the logical question is, is it fair of us to expect the founders to have to gain their independence from England and yet in the same lifetime also abolish slavery? I mean, was that just too much for them to accomplish? The argument that building a nation and ending slavery was too much for any generation to carry um, is an interesting argument. But I think the reality is, if that argument is right, it means that the founding fathers thought that slavery was something that was as important to deal with, to abolish, as establishing a new nation. And I don't believe that was the case. I think that in many ways, the founding fathers, yes, they played with the cards that were dealt them. They didn't create the system of slavery but they surely benefited from it. They surely enhanced it. They surely made sure that it would be a central institution in America. So in my mind, there was never any real discussion among most of the founding fathers to say, oh, these are two important issues, can we do both? The most important consideration was, how do you create a new republic at a time when you are just a newly freed nation from, the, from Great Britain, at a time when a republic is seen as something so rare, so fragile. How do you do it? That's what they focused on. Slavery was of secondary importance. You know, I was just sitting here thinking that you as an African-American, when you look at the founders, do you make a difference in your mind between founders like John Adams and Sam Adams, who didn't have slaves, and men like Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and a lot of others that did have slaves. Does that ever cross your mind? Do you divide them up like that? I think as a historian, rather than as an African-American, as a historian, I recognize that it's fascinating to think of those that didn't have slaves and what role that played for them. I think, you know, John Adams basically making clear, I have never and I never will own own another piece of property is really a very powerful statement. Um, I'm struck less by the fact that you have people like Ben Franklin who once owned slaves and then began to sort of see the light, if you will. I'm struck by the fact that when you look at the founding fathers who owned large numbers of slaves, Washington, Jefferson, um, Madison, Washington is the only one that really manumits his slaves. But even he doesn't do it until after his death. So in some ways, the founding fathers 
even if they wrestled with slavery, it was too important for them to let go. So from a historian's point of view, what I would simply suggest is you can't understand the founding fathers' notions of liberty without realizing that those definitions of liberty were shaped because every day they saw the lack of liberty in the people they held in bondage. I think sometimes people will look at slavery and go, slavery was wrong, and, and it was. But I think the whole issue of this paradox is maybe a little more complicated than people realize with, for example, with the U.S. Constitution. And then I guess there were in Virginia, there were some laws that you couldn't free your slaves according to the Virginia law at the time. And it's just a little bit more tangled than this extreme black and white issue. Well, trying to understand the paradox, the, the, the contradictions, the challenges of creating a new republic based on freedom and liberty while the foundation is based on slavery, um, I think in many ways it's not a simple economic issue. It's not a simple political issue. There's a whole array of things that make this complicated. On the one hand, there is this sense that African Americans or the newly or those enslaved are people who can never be set free within this American context. So what do you do with them? If, quote, the natural order of things is that black people would to be enslaved, if you set them free, what are you saying about the national order? How do you then create um, an America where you have what many people saw as two different species of, of people? And so I think there is an issue of fear, there's an issue of a belief in the inherent inferiority of African-Americans. And then you add to it the economic considerations. Um, slavery, even in the 18th century, was without a doubt the most important institution in America. It is the institution that shaped not only the Southern agrarian way, but also the trade in the North. It is really, the, it is really what makes possible um, the optimism of America. And then you add to that the reality that you begin to have a smaller group of people who initially question the slave trade, not slavery, but question the slave trade because of how brutal it is. And then you get this slow evolution of other people saying, well, maybe it is wrong to hold other people in bondage. So you've got all of these issues that are swirling around. Um, at the same time, you're simply trying to stay focused on building a new nation. Lonnie, can you tell me a little bit about the African-Americans that fought alongside uh, George Washington and his army? And maybe, I mean, I've heard anywhere from 10 to 20 percent of the army might have been African-American. I'd say it's about 8 percent in Washington's. I mean, the, the notion of Washington using African-Americans in his, in his army, um, as the story goes, initially Washington refused to have African-Americans serve in the army. And in part, he's responding to what the British do. The British are very smart. Lord Dunmore, a British general, makes a proclamation and says that anybody who comes serve with him will be free. So the real issue for African-Americans, especially those held in bondage, was what side was going to give you liberty? Not so much whether you were pro-American or pro-British. It was where could you get the, get the greatest sense of liberty? And as hundreds of African-Americans signed up 
basically fight with the British, Washington recognized that he had to do something. And so there, the reality was that as he is trying to build an army, one of the groups that stayed with him were African-Americans, because they saw fighting with Washington a way for them to prove that they were worthy of citizenship. The belief was that, as Frederick Douglass said 100 years later, if you shed blood for a nation, that nation must treat you as an equal. So there was that hope. So Washington, even though he initially wasn't comfortable with the role of African-Americans as military people, the reality of military necessity um, made Washington recognize that he had to use every tool in his kit, and using African-Americans as soldiers was part of that. Let's get back to the museum just for a second. I, I know you had said that slavery was a big part of what you're doing here, and I guess my question is, do you feel like it's bringing racial healing once this museum opens? When you create a national museum, you're trying to figure out, okay, what is the vision? What is important for this museum to do? Uh, On the one hand, it is crucially important for the newest museum of the Smithsonian to centralize the African-American experience, to say this is all of our experience, that this is the story that touches us, informs us, shapes us all. But on the other hand, it is also essential that this museum illuminate all the dark corners of the American experience that allows people to find truth, and through truth they can find reconciliation and healing. I really think that um, race is still one of the last great unmentionables in public discourse. You can ruin a dinner party if you start raising issues of race. I think this museum can take some of the burden away and allow people to understand both where America has struggled, but also those amazing stories of of a Ben Franklin undergoing a transformation from being a slaveholder to being a a sort of a, a rabid abolitionist, so that you begin to help people find reconciliation and healing by finding both the truth, but also by helping people find the ambiguity and nuance of history. That's what I think this museum can do. So, Lonnie, I think that's basically it. Um, Do you feel like there's anything that I have not asked you that you feel like it's important to mention on this uh, topic? I think one of the things that's interesting to think about the founding fathers is people often forget that there were free blacks in the North already, and they had interesting comments on what the Founding Fathers were doing. Um, There was a minister named Peter Williams, who was a minister of one of the sort of larger black churches in New York in 1800. And in 1799, he talks about how the Founding Fathers laid this foundation, but it is up to those people who are mistreated, African Americans, to define what freedom and liberty really means. And in many ways, I would argue that one of the strengths of looking at the African-American experience, whether it's colonial, 19th century, or 20th century, is that in some ways, the African-American experience helped America live up to its stated ideals, helped to prod America to fulfill the words of Jefferson. So in many ways, I would argue that the strength of America is that the Founding Fathers opened a door defined a nation in a certain way, and then it wasn't 
the next generation of John Quincy Adams or Henry Clay, but it's really a long history of African Americans asking, demanding, trying to understand how America would ultimately live up to its stated ideals, which has helped us become the nation we are today. Lonnie, uh, thank you so much for just sharing your time with us and your wealth of knowledge. I appreciate it. For more information on the Emmy-winning documentary, Liberty and Slavery, The Paradox of America's Founding Fathers, or information about the Liberty and Slavery podcast, visit libertyandslavery.com. Thanks for listening.